Welcome to It's All About the Questions, where learning to ask the right questions can help you achieve lifelong success. Now, here to help you ask all the right questions is award-winning author, international speaker, and business strategist, Laura Stewart. Good afternoon and evening, everyone, and welcome, welcome, welcome to the show. And I have something exciting to share with you all today. I am actually at the studio in Vero Beach for the first time in nine months. I am in the studio, not doing the show from home because I have a local guest, somebody that's here in studio with me. So Mr. B and I talked and decided that this would be a great opportunity for me to try doing the show live since I don't have to put headsets on. And um, we'll see how it goes, and hopefully it will not trigger my sound-induced vertigo, but I know that everybody is here to support me, so I'm really excited about it. And I have to give a very, very, very special shout-out to my friend, Mr. B, Paul, wishing him the happiest of all on his 70th birthday today. So happy birthday, Mr. B! All right, now why don't we get started with the show today. Um, It is so much fun to be in the studio, and we're actually going on Rhett Palmer Vero Voices uh, Facebook Live today as well. So uh, for those on the cameras, hi, everybody. Nice to see everybody. It's been a long time. Uh, I want to welcome my guest today, who I got introduced to um, by my neighbor, Sandy Williamson, when I was doing a garage purge and a house purge, and she said, well, I have a great store that would love to take your donations for their thrift shop. All they do is take care of animals and seniors and people who are struggling to keep their pets in their homes with them. So I said, I have to interview this man. I love what he's doing. So uh, Ted Pankowitz, for the love of paws, welcome to the show. Thank you for having us. What a pleasure. So So glad that we connected so we can discuss and tell you all about our love of pause and how we got started, how we've grown and our future plans on how we're helping so many more people in need to have pets. Well, you know what I really love even more about you being my first live show back in the studio? I am all about pets, especially about dogs and rescues and those who are helping seniors on top of that keep their pets and feed themselves as well as their pets. To me, that's something so important. And you started for the love of paws out of a loss, and you ta- turned a loss into love for something so much bigger than you. Can you tell us about that? Well, that, that's the uniqueness, uh, the uniqueness of our rescue and way it was, way, and what it does that we'll discuss and talk about. But it's unique in how we got started. Uh, Jessica Panko, which was my daughter-in-law, she was married to my son. They were married for ten years. We uh, often refer to, we were all animal lovers in a family. Uh, everybody grew, we had a farm up in New Jersey, Western Jersey, and uh, we all, all kind of critters that we would uh, foster, adopt, rescue. And my son met this uh, young lady who was just as crazy as the rest of us. We always, we always referred to as <laughs> the crazier of <laughs> the group. And she would foster, adopt, rescue, uh, find homes. The, the common thing was uh, she'd, always, she'd come back to the farm and, she, and she'd always have some sort of animal in tow. Uh, from dog, cat, pig, duck, goats, ducks, whatever it may be. and she Everything think, and anything. Everything and anything. And she would say, it followed me home. <laughs> and we would often say, if, any, if there was a lost, wounded, injured animal within t- uh, two miles of Jess, they would connect with each other, and she would she would bring it back to the farm. And uh, they followed us down to Florida in uh, 2011. Uh, and unfortunately, she came down with an autoimmune, autoimmune disease called Devix, 
she was a farm girl from Jersey, never sick a day in her life. The only time she was ever in a hospital is when she gave birth to my two uh, two grandsons, Hunter and Ryder. And uh, she came down with this uh, off-the-wall immune disease called Devix that nobody's ever heard of. Even doctors and uh, nurses will question it all the time. And uh, she died unexpectedly about a year and a half after diagnosis. Wow. And uh, total shock, as any death is to any family. Right. But, but uh, Jess would go in uh, for treatments every four or five weeks, and it became uh, a family thing. Like, Jess is going to camp for three or four days, and the boys would expect mom to be gone, and she'd come home in a couple of days and carry on. She went from a, a onset of the disease from a wheelchair to a walker to a cane. Uh, but it, but it, it was a devastating uh disease that, that affected her extremities and so forth. And she went into the hospital one time for a treatment and she unexpectedly died. And uh, totally, did, everybody was, uh, everybody just sh- shook the world for everybody. And a year after afterwards, I said to my son, you know, Jess had always, you and Jess had always wanted to do this uh, a pet rescue. And they would volunteer foster adopt for many different groups and on their own, like I explained. And I said, let's do it in her name. I mean, she, she had actually had picked out the name for the love of pause as the name of the someday organization right. that she wanted to do. And my son said, let's do it. And I said, you know, but got a lot of great groups here in the county. And I said, you know, the one thing we should do, let's let's gear ourselves towards senior citizens because I had managed a, a senior community when I first moved down here for seven years. And one of the issues were seniors going into hospice, memory care, assisted living, nursing homes, or hip replacements, knee replacements, and not having anybody to take care of their pet. And I said, that's who we should gear ourselves to. And that's how we started our nonprofit, providing peace of mind to senior citizens who can no longer care for their pets. And that was, that's how, that was our onset. You know, I, I think it's so brilliant in many, many levels. First, that you guys decided to turn this loss into a love that's helping so many greater people. And that's something that for people who are grieving can be often difficult is, is how do you turn the memory? How do you get moved from the grief to begin to celebrate the person? And then that you chose seniors because... What I've seen so often, I had the Silver Mosel Cottage on a couple of years ago out in Michigan. She started a nonprofit to rescue senior dogs that were being euthanized. People would be like, these dogs are old. We need to just, I don't want to take care of them anymore. It's getting too expensive. And she ended up placing those senior dogs with senior citizens who needed a quieter dog that's well-trained and didn't want to get puppies for a lot of reasons, right? You're a senior. You don't necessarily want to commit to 15, 20 years with with a pet. And you took the tact of there are seniors out there who have pets and often can't afford to because of limited incomes or, as you said, they get sick. Who watches them? I mean, I had an arrangement with friends and neighbors that, God forbid, anything happened to me. Even in my will, it said this person has agreed to take that pet. But that doesn't often happen. Seniors become more and more isolated because they can't get out of their homes. So how does that work for you doing that? Well, they do. And that's one of the things that a lot of people don't realize. I'm on the the advisory board of the 211 Community Helpline, Palm Beach and Fraser Coast. And they have a program where they call 700 seniors every morning. Just it's an okay call, phone call to say you're okay, and that's just a drop in the bucket to the amount of seniors that are in our area, 
in, in Florida here. They have that, that here in Vero have, and Sebastian, They also right? have it here also. Okay. And that's just a drop in the bucket of the amount of seniors that are out there living alone that have outlived their family, their friends, their neighbors. And they're basically the only, and what we found many times, the only companion they have is their pet, their dog or their cat. And I don't know how many times we've uh, heard people say, the only reason I get up in the morning is for my pets or my pet. <laughs> And that, that, and that's what we found in managing the retirement community. One of the issues and why we started this, and we ran into a Meals on Wheels program. Who they found many seniors were feeding their pets with the food that was being delivered before they fed themselves. Wow! And that started our own Pause Meals on Wheels program, which has grown tremendously to where we're supplying ten thousand pounds of pet food on a monthly basis now to numerous organizations, numerous food pantries, numerous individuals. <laughs> We have a delivery program through Amazon.com to for people that are basically out of our area uh, that we can that we can help. And there's there's so many people out there that that need help uh, feeding their pets, vet bills, and so forth. And we we've we've done both. We've transported pets to vets. We've transported pets to groomers. Uh, the senior population out there, which is large in our area, is is in need when it comes to helping helping their pets and. And that's what we do. And we have a great uh, success story in adopting pets out to other seniors who are looking at, just like you said before, it's difficult for a senior to commit to a 15-year uh, for, for getting a new uh, puppy or young cat or something. So we have a lot of dogs or cats that we get are in middle age to older, and we have seniors adopting them. And we always tell every senior, any pet that we adopt out, we will we'll take them back and we will rehome or, or keep them in our sanctuary or adopt them ourselves we've had uh, <laughs> we have 37 animals on the farm right now and we have a number of foster families we have five cats at our house and i, re- I jokingly say to my wife one more cat and she's going to be referred to as the crazy cat lady <laughs> <laughs> but but we find them homes and we adopt them out and we foster them we uh, have uh, several cats in our uh, pet pantry that are our house cats but uh, the need is out there and uh, i think that's why we've grown as fast as we have and we've established so many different programs helping seniors in need you and I were talking the other week that you actually have a short-term need for foster homes for, like, there was an English bulldog, I think, you said, that you were trying to find somebody to watch for a few weeks or whatever it was. Cause and he's going home Friday. <laughs> that's great. That's really great. Because there are these short-term needs that we don't think about, and we never sometimes even think about asking our neighbors because we may not realize what's going on with them that maybe we could help knowing that they're, they had to go into the hospital or even if you've just had sold shoulder surgery, it means you may not be able to walk your dog. Well, that's one of the biggest things. That's, we, we do a lot of uh, temporary fosters, just like you were just mentioning, uh, hip replacements, knee replacements, where a person going to rehab for anywhere from a, a week to four foot. The, most, the longest we ever kept a pet was uh, five and a half months. Uh, as, a, as a foster pet. And that, that's a big need out there. I mean, a lot of, like I said, there's so many seniors out there that uh, are alone. I mean, when I manage the retirement community, there are a lot of active seniors, but there are a lot of seniors that, you know, they, they, they're on very limited income. They live on Social Security, and uh, they just, just barely get by. And, you know, right. that's the ones that we try and reach out, and we constantly tell people, if you know a senior in need, give us a call. Uh, our website's Pause Meals on Wheels. Our phone number is 772-539-2417. We will help anybody. We started with seniors, but we've, like I talked to you before, we've expanded to, we don't turn anybody down. If you have a pet and you need uh, help taking care of them, you know, we, we, we've reached out. To, we've helped domestic violence victims. We've helped homeless homeless families. 
uh, we're geared towards seniors, but how can how can you turn anybody down when they ask you for help? Well, that's that's an interesting thing where you said you know you've expanded it and you mentioned the domestic violence. I've been reading quite a bit about domestic violence and a lot of other horrible things that are going around. Some friends were just in Cambodia trying to help figure out ways to help rescued sex workers. Mm-hmm. Um, gain skills and confidence to to work. They actually flew over there in the midst of the whole coronavirus because this was on the schedule for this big symposium. And it got me thinking even about domestic violence victims. A lot of the shelters that they go to do not take pets. Do not take pets. Right, absolutely. But the the animal is being used as leverage by the person, the abuser that they've left, saying if you don't come back or if you leave or don't listen to me, I will kill the pet. And it keeps people trapped. So how, how can you help with that? Well, that's exactly what it, what it, we've had a couple of situations. In fact, I have a recording that I played privately because it has a person's name and so forth. Where She was in a very violent, uh, domestic violence situation, and she refused to leave her home because he had threatened to kill her cat if she did. And that's one of the circumstances where we stepped in and we took the cat and she was able to leave the home and get into a program. We returned the cat after she got out of the program. We've also had uh, homeless families that uh, cannot go into the family homeless centers because they do not accept pets. And we've taken uh, pets uh, from several times from, uh, again, not in our mission statement, but how can you turn anybody down when you come across a situation like that? And we've uh, expanded into other programs where uh, not only domestic violence or homeless families, but in fact, just this past year, we've had a call from a homeless counselor at one of the high schools, which was unbeknown to us that high schools have homeless counselors because there's so many homeless kids that are either couch surfers or actually living out in the woods with their families. And uh, the, the programs that do help the families get back on their feet also do not accept pets. So we've actually stepped in and helped a number of families like that. And it just, how, how can you say no? It's hard, right? It but you also have a mission as a nonprofit and to your donors and things and to your own sanity to <laughs> have to make sure that you have the funds in order to continue the wonderful work that you're doing. So how do you balance the needs that continue to come up because there's a never-ending need for assistance out well, there with your mission and your funding. There is, you know, and you have to learn how to say no when the issue is outside of your mission statement and something that, it, for example, we tell, we explain to people, we're not a pounder of shelter. We're not a drop-off point. You know, we give peace of mind to senior citizens who can no longer care for their pets, but only to senior citizens who cannot care for their pets. We we get calls every single day, and I can't imagine what the other rescues get on a daily basis, the amount of calls. And you have to learn how to say no and stay within your resources. But that's the whole point in, in uh, operating a, a nonprofit. You have to learn how to raise funds. Funds are important to uh, increase your resources in order to help more people. And I think that's how we've been very successful. We've uh, found a great group of people. Well, like I, we were talking before, I think the biggest thing, we, we let people know what we do. We show people what we do. We explain to people what we do. We 
get out there. We network a lot. We uh, our Facebook page is followed by over ten thousand people. We I go to a number of networking meetings, uh, showing people this is this is what we do. If you know somebody, have them call us. And at the same time, by networking, we not only gain people that find people that need help, we also gain supporters and volunteers. We have a we have a great group of volunteers. I, I can't say enough about the people that come out. I, I sometimes I, I it just shakes my head that they devote so much time to a cause that it just in their hearts they. And that's the thing I think volunteers have to see, just as supporters and donors have to see that what they're donating to has has an impact. You are making a difference. And here in the local area, Indian River County, and we've expanded to Brevard and St. Lucie and helping helping people. We we show people. We we do two mobile pet food pantries up in Wickham Park. Where we we have a crowd of. Uh, several hundred families that meet us on the second Saturday of every month up in Wickham Park, and we give out over 3,500 pounds of dog and cat food in a two-and-a-half-hour period. We have a second mobile pantry in Barefoot Bay that we do it on the second Thursday. Our pet food pantry out in Felsmere on County Road 512, we serve over 300 to 400 families. Uh, altogether, we have about a thousand families now that are registered with us for uh, dog and cat food assistance. Okay, so take us through that because when you were talking about how many people you, you know, meet you up in Wickham Park and Palm Bay and Felsmere and all of that, there's a lot of scammers out there. Absolutely. There are a lot of people that will take advantage of it and then maybe they'll take something and go sell it somewhere else. I see this all the time at the Dillard's. 50% off the lowest price handbag thing where they have to have security because people will go in and take handfuls of bags and next thing you know they're being sold somewhere else you know for escalated prices because they got them so low as a nonprofit requiring people to register what do you do to vet well, the need th- those people stand out and unfortunately there's there's a small percentage of uh, the people that we serve uh, Jesse from Operation Hope, and I like always refer to Jesse, give him credit for the statement that he said to me several years ago. He figures five, six percent of the people who that he helps or organizations help are, are scammers or basically pushing the envelope where the need is not really there just because it's free. It's free because it's free. And, and he, the amount of time it takes to vet so many different people and the amount of effort and resources that it takes he kind of overlooks it, and I, I kind of look at it the same way. If we have five percent of the people that are on the, on borderline, not needing the help, and just taking advantage, I'll, I'll let God sort them people out down the road. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, we're we're helping ninety five percent of the people. Using Wickham Park as an example, we we'll have a, two Saturdays ago. We had one hundred thirty four families show up, probably several families in each, but one hundred thirty four. F- People, cars showed up would probably double that amount of families. And there's and, probably a number that don't even know you're there that could use ab- a service. Absolutely. And there's, uh, we handed out over 3,500 pounds of uh, dog and cat food that day. And, you know, a brand new Cadillac Escalade stands out and everybody says, look at that, look at that. And, and, but that, that was like one car out of 134, but that's the one that stands out. And I tell our volunteers, don't worry about the one. We're, we're helping 95% of the people, and that's who we have to concentrate to create on. And, you know, 95%, 95 out of 100 of the people that are here in line, they're in need. We have people crying in tears after us helping them with vet bills, taking their pets. Uh, we've even helped with hospice situations or euthanization and end of life for their pets. Wow. <laughs> Uh, we've had them in tears when we give them dog and cat food or flea medication where they can't control the fleas, and we give them the flea medications. It's not it's not cheap, it's fifteen to thirty dollars per per application, and we give it away free. And these are the people that we're helping. So the ones that stand out that you kind of think are pushing the envelope or a fraud, well, 
let God sort them out. We'll, we'll, we're, we're helping 95% of the people, and that's, that's what we concentrate on, and that's what we keep got to keep focused on. But that's a problem. The bad ones stand out, but but they're, they're a very small minority in the group. It's really interesting that they would stand out that much. You would think they would at least try to hide the fact. But also, you don't know the situation. If that car shows up every week, maybe somebody gave them the car. I mean, like, so you're trying not to make assumptions and call the person out because maybe there is really well, a need, thing, we, we don't or judge. maybe they're getting it for somebody else or, or Ab- whatever absolutely. it may be. You're 100% right. You know, you know, we don't judge. You know, we had a woman one time with a BMW on jewelry and so forth, and one of the volunteers questioned, and she was picking up for a homeless family. You, you never you never know what the need is out there. And so we, we don't judge. We, we have the resources. We've been lucky enough that we can, we can supply 10,000, even though it's a struggle sometimes to reach that 10,000 pounds of food a month that we have. Is that what you need? <laughs> That's what we give away on a since January of 2019. We've been given in excess of 10,000 pounds a month, uh, every single month. I think the last 2019, my totals were 126,000 pounds for the for the entire year. And this year, we're at we're at that and exceeding that amount. And what is that? cost for you to i mean like how much money do you need i can't even fathom that i remember before my dog passed away how much it costs for me to buy dog food every month just for one dog well the cost and we have 37 animals on the farm so our in-house cost is extensive but the fact is we have a lot of there's a lot of resources out there walmart has been fantastic for us we uh, they call us every once in a while and we pick up from them uh, chewy's up in ocala distribution center uh, they've donated pet food on a, on a uh, two or three times a year basis okay uh, cvs has been good walgreens has been good we we contact a lot of uh, individual organizations tractor supply has uh, has been also also great we we have like, again referring to the crazy cat ladies in the world that are out there that supply us with dog right. and cat food well cat food rather and we belong to a group <clears throat> called rescuebank.org. Any organization out there that wants to help feed animals, look up rescuebank.org. They're a national organization through the Greater Good Foundation based out in Texas, and they have an agreement with all the all the pet food manufacturers around the county, around the country, and have distributors set up. With distributors set up. There's one in Fort Lauderdale and one up in Deland, and we can get dog and cat food through them for 12 cents a pound. And these all the manufacturer close to expiration dates, misprinted bags, damaged bags, returned stuff, and so forth. And uh, uh, so RescueBank.org, any group looking to get food on a low-cost basis, but it's hit and miss. They haven't had cat food for the last three or four months, so we've been short cat food uh, every single month, and I think this month we're spending about $2,000 uh, in the month for the month to buy cat, just cat food. Just cat food. Just cat wow. food. It, it, it's interesting because listening to you, I've learned so much just about the process of what you're doing and, and how you're doing it, and I sense that there are basically three or four clients that you're serving. You're not just serving the people that you are, your mission says, the seniors. That's obviously your feet on the street, which is to help the seniors and get this into the pets. So the pets are a client, the the owners of the pets are clients, your donors are clients, and your volunteers are even clients. Absolutely. Because all of them, you need to serve and set their expectations as to what they can do. And that must be without a large organization. I mean, it's just you and your family really running the thing. That puts a lot of stress on you, as I've seen with regular 
for-profit entrepreneurs building businesses, that's always a challenge as your business grows. How, how do you expand and how do you service the needs of all of those clients? And they don't even have that many clients that you do. You know what I mean? Client bases that have different needs and expectations. So we're going to get ready to go into the national news break. I've been here with Ted Pankowitz, the founder of For the Love of Pause, here in the Indian River County region. But you also go up into uh, Brevard, Brevard and do you go into St. Lucie we as well? We help individuals who call us from St. Lucie. Okay. And he's been sharing just such great information about nonprofits in general and helping seniors and people who are at risk with their pets and when we come back from the national news break, Ted, I'd love if we can talk some more about the process that you've run your nonprofit with and some tips to share with people who may be thinking of starting oh, a nonprofit, whether it may be a pet oriented or a non-pet oriented. Absolutely. And then, of course, we're going to share how they can help you grow yours as more. We'll be right back with more about It's All the Questions. Welcome back to me and happy birthday, Mr. B. Well, welcome back, everybody. I'm so excited to be here live in the studio for the first time in nine months. If you missed the first half of the show, I am here with Ted Pankowitz, founder of For the Love of Paws. We're here live in the studio, and you can catch the first half in a couple of days anywhere where you like to listen to your favorite podcasts. We're listened to all over the world on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, um, Pocket Casts, uh, Google Podcasts, pretty much anywhere you can get a podcast, you can listen to the show and at your leisure, which is why I always start the show. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, because I never know what time zone somebody is in listening to the show. So before the national news break, Ted, you and I were talking about how you created this beautiful charity for the love, nonprofit for the love of pause helping seniors feed their pets and others who can't feed their pets or take care of them so that they can keep them in their home. Because oftentimes, especially for seniors, that may be the only life that they have because they tend to get isolated as they get older, especially if they have illnesses. We talked about how For the Love of Paws also will foster pets for short term when somebody is having a health crisis or something might be going on for them. You've also done something really beautiful. You've helped several other nonprofits help get their start. What are some of the lessons that you've learned creating and running a not-profit, not-for-profit um, that could help somebody who's maybe thinking about starting one? Well, anybody who starts a nonprofit, and we've had a number of people basically, you know, how, how do we do what we've done in the, the four short years we've been in existence and grow as fast as we have and find the supporters? And like we said earlier, the question about how do we do, how do we get 10,000 pounds of pet food every every single month basically free? I mean, this last month we spent about $2,000, but that's the first time we had to buy food in the last three or four months. And, I, you know, I tell them, people start, want to start an organ nonprofit, whether it's pets or any other cause that they may have that's dear to their heart and they all they all have big hearts and they have a great cause but they have to understand you know you, you have to have resources in order to operate to operate the nonprofit. right you have to know the steps and how to do it and i have so many come to me and uh, the cost to start a nonprofit is very minimal especially if you're going to start it off on, on a small basis with just you or a couple other people 
And it's, it's a simple process. It's not daunting like so many people think. I mean, you can do it on your own, which is what we did. We started on our own, uh, filed our own corporation here in the state of Florida, uh, did it online, cost us $75 as a nonprofit corporation, which it has to be a corporation, not an LLC uh, filing. And then we filed with uh, the IRS. Uh, and there's several forms that IRS did, uh, that most people are basically blown away with with the 1023 form, which is 20, 24 pages long, and you basically need an accountant and an attorney to do it. There's a 1023 easy form, which is made available by IRS about four years ago. And the cost is only, I think it's $275, and it's only a three-page form. And there's some restrictions to it, but that's the best way I recommend to anybody who wants to start a small nonprofit is file the 1023 easy uh, with IRS. It only takes about 60 days before you'll get your status back. <laughs> and file a $75 course for the state of Florida, and then start reading. <laughs> okay, so before somebody files, like before you guys, because, you know, you've been in business, you've done a lot of different things, so you understand business, right? I know I had one person that asked me to coach them and, and help them with some business strategy stuff. They wanted to leave their full-time corporate job and start a not-for-profit. And I said, okay, how much are you currently making drawing in a salary? And they're, they were in the just below the mid six figures. And I said, okay, so you're just going to stop that cold turkey and you're going to start a not-for-profit. What are you going to do for money? How are you going to raise money? Absolutely. How much are you going to draw out of it? Do you even know how much you need to live on? before you start this not profit because you may be in for a rude awakening. You can't just go drawing $300,000 out of your not-for-profit to live on. You, there's certain restrictions. So how did you, when you were deciding to do this, set your budgets, understand the needs, understand the costs, and what you guys need to live on as well? Well, like I said, we started in our garage, we, we, we started uh, on a small scale, taking pets in from seniors who couldn't take care of them anymore and finding foster homes or adopting them into our, our own home where my son's farm out in Felsmere. And we started bagging pet food in our garage, started off, started off slow. And uh, luckily, I, I, I tell people, you know, I, I failed retiring three times. I was, <laughs> I was, I was in law enforcement. For, I have a pension, uh, financially okay. So starting a nonprofit, the need for an income was not an immediately there. And uh, I've told several people, you know, when you start a nonprofit, you yourself should not be a need. You yourself should be financially okay in order to support yourself, in order to start a small nonprofit and then grow from Well, for example, when we started our garage, we started, we would send out letters for support. And I'm thinking... How, who, who's going to support us? We're working out of a garage. My corporate address was my house. Right. And the return address on our envelopes was uh, Bailey Drive and Sebastian. And if you looked on Google, what did you see? Not a corporate office, not a, a warehouse, not a retail store, but you saw my house. So who's going <laughs> to who's going to send us support? Because we had a lot of ideas. We had a lot of thoughts how we wanted to right. grow, what we wanted to do. But they were just ideas and thoughts. And we started helping people, and we started promoting what we did on Facebook. Social media, I can't explain enough to to people. You have to be active on social media, all different forms. You have to be out there networking. A lot of, a lot of individuals who want to start nonprofits, they, I don't care if people know what I do. 
Well, it's not a point of them know, not knowing what you do. They have to know what your organization is doing. You have to promote your organization. People want to support you. People want to support people who are helping people. But they have to they have to know that their dollar that's being sent to you is going toward support of whatever your cause is going to be. Okay. I, I, I was in law enforcement for 30 years. I was in a canine unit at a 25 out of my 30 years on a job. And I went to an event one time, and it's, there was one nonprofit was selling raffle tickets to, to buy ballistic vests for police dogs. And I said, what a great cause. And I put a $10 bill on a, ta- on a table, took out my raffle ticket, and I went home. And anybody wants to look at a, a nonprofit to check their status, Charity Navigator is is one that you can look up online, but they only do million-dollar-plus organizations. And there's a lot that are under that. There's a big percentage are mostly are mostly under that. Guidestar.org is a, is a website that I would recommend anybody to go to. Look them up. We have a platinum status rating on Guidestar.org. You can look up our tax returns. You can look up any, any organization's tax returns, see where the money's coming from, see where their money's going. But after I bought this $10 ticket, I went to GuideStar, looked them up, and I found that only 18% of what the money they collected was going to actually buying uh, vests for police dogs, and 82% was going to salaries. That's been a big issue in a lot Ab- of charities. Absolutely, and that's what I recommend. And it's not illegal. But they were limited to what they did, but we're expanding it only because anybody can look up, anybody can look on our Facebook page. We have... Not hundreds. We have literally thousands of pictures, thousands of dogs and cats and people that we've helped, events that we've done, programs that we run. Like I said earlier before, you know, the Pause Meals on Wheels program. We also do a people food pantry we haven't talked about yet. No, you just told me that at the, at the news break. And, and, and that, that was an offshoot of us helping senior citizens with dog and cat food and some of very low-income, low-poverty people asking us if we have people food. So and, they couldn't get Meals on Wheels, or uh, they didn't wait, even there's know a waiting, about there, There's a waiting list for Meals on Wheels. Wow. Uh, exactly. Wow. There's a waiting list for Meals on Wheels. There's such a need out there. Is it because they don't have enough drivers, or they don't have enough food? Both. And fun? Wow. Okay. So everybody out there, just know that there's need for drivers and food for seniors um, through for the love of pause that Ted's doing, and even Meals on Wheels in the city. Well, we're, we're a partner agency with the Treasure Coast Food Bank, and, okay. and we were approved for a senior citizen supplemental food program. Okay. It's a, it's a USDA program, and it consists of, it's a 40-pound box of food with a, the famous five-pound block of government cheese that comes along with it that everybody, everybody knows about. I remember yeah. my grandma back <laughs> when I was a little girl. She'd get this block of cheese and some other That's stuff, exactly. and she'd stand online and, and get that. And I never quite understood it, but she got it, and then and, we'd and be eating pound, cheese forever. And a five-pound block of cheese is still there and still being given out. We get yeah. we get 36 of those in 36 40-pound boxes. And you have to be an Indian River County resident. You have to be... Uh, over 60 years of age and you have to be below the federal poverty level don't have to have a dog or cat to qualify for the program but everybody we deal with has dogs or cats so it's a win-win for everybody and so once a month we get these 36 boxes delivered we have a volunteer that calls the people up and we deliver a few and most of the people come into our pet pantry in Felsburg and they pick up the 40 pound box of food and the five pound block of cheese and they pick up enough dog or cat food for the rest for the rest of the month and it's a supplemental thing we also about three years ago uh, Treasure Coast Food Bank runs a uh, uh, mobile food pantry, a people food pantry in Mesa Park in Felsmere. And they were going to stop the program because they couldn't get volunteers. And I said, well, I got volunteers. And I said, I can do that. And my wife always busts my chops because I'm saying, well, <laughs> we can do that. And she pokes me with her elbow all the time. 
And we started doing that three years ago. And just second second Wednesday of every month, we supply over this past uh, two weeks ago, uh, over 300 families with a solid, good, almost a month supply of people food. And, and these are all people that have pets or not necessarily? Uh, and this, not necessarily all pets, but that day we'll get 80 to 100 people coming to our pet food pantry from that line picking up dog or cat food after they get their people food, which is the, the people pantry is only 100 yards west in a field, parking lot field, where, where okay. our pet food pantry is. And we, it was, again, that was an offshoot of uh, us helping people feed their dogs and cats and finding out that they're, they don't have food for themselves. So you really are for the love of paws and people. <laughs> we help people through their pets and pets through their people. I love that. And one of our sayings and one of our logos is, you know, because everybody in the family matters, you know, yeah. from the pet to the person, because, you know, there are so many, so many families out there, you know, and managing a retirement community. I often, there was over 700 people living in the community and half the people would be active in the community enjoying life. But there was a good percentage, 30, 30, 30 to 40% of the people that they were, they were just living off social security, low income. They would just pay their rent, pay their, their security, have enough money for food. And they would just be by themselves. I mean, talk to any meals on wheels, uh, driver and the people that they deliver these hot meals to, that's the only person that they actually see in the course of the day or the course of the week, or if, if they go to a doctor that they have no basically contact. And then, then again, their pet is sometimes the only companion they have. Right. And that that's why I think we've had so many volunteers step in because we actually see the the connection. We 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 deliver we deliver to a, a assisted living facility up <clears throat> up in Palm Bay and they have 10 cats and I think three or four dogs that are in the population right now and every other Wednesday we bring enough dog dog food and cat food to the facility. And that's a program that we're going to start growing because with that we can bring enough food to one spot and feed a whole bunch of people. Okay. Besides the people food pantry, we actually supply 20, well, 18 food pantries with pet food. We have four volunteers, we actually six volunteers, they alternate on Mondays, that they meet our, our pet food pantry every Monday morning at 9 o'clock and we deliver between, uh, well, during the month, between 1,400 and 1,600 Ziploc bags of dog and cat food to these pet food pantries. Now, you know, as I listen to you and as we talk, these questions go through my head. <laughs> and and I say to myself, Ted must have asked himself a lot of questions, and he must ask himself questions every single day that you guys build this business and grow this business that, number one, keeps you going. Absolutely. And helps you to grow. So are, are there some questions that you've found that over the course of founding and running this nonprofit that help you stay connected to your community that needs your help and helps you decide which directions you're going to grow in? Well, you know, we just started, I told you before, we just started a, a thrift store. We take in everything. Because we, if we can't use something, we help other organizations. By helping other organizations, we learn a lot on how they operate and what they do and what they don't do and how we can fill the need or how they can help us and so forth. And we have the fortunate thing. We get along with all the different organizations, all the other pet rescue groups because we don't judge anybody. We have our mission statement. We, we gear ourselves to what we do and solely to what we do. And if we can help anybody, we will help them. Growing our programs like the people food, uh, that was an offshoot of finding people who were low income and having a tough time feeding their pets. And they also had a tough time feeding themselves. So we've grown into these other programs and I'm sure there's other programs we're going to probably expand into. Like I said, we help people through their pets and pets through their people. 
So uh, everything, every question you ask, every new thing you do is based on that mission, understanding what your mission is and saying to yourself, does this fit our mission? Can we make it work or do we need to wait? Do I, and do I have the resources to do expand? The, okay. That's one of the biggest things. You, you can't bite off more than you can chew. You have to expand at a, at a growth rate that your resources and your supporters, donors, and volunteers are enabling you to do. When we went from our garage to the community building in the city of Felsberg, our donations doubled. We finally had a physical location at, other than my house and our garage. Right. <laughs> it sort even of legitimized it. Exactly. And that's one of the things that all nonprofits have to, have to do. You have to legit, legitimize what you do, not only yourself, but also your organization and, and the people that are connected to your organization. When we went from the community building, which we were in about 15 or 16 months, well, once we went to the community building, we started getting a lot of volunteers. Coming to our garage was not the most optimum place to, buy, to volunteer right. or to bag food. We were there for the 15, 16 months, and then we rented a 2,000-square-foot warehouse in Felsmere and on the, right in front of Custom Air on 512, right across from Treasure Coast Community Health. Give a shout-out to all my friends at Custom Air. Custom Air, they, they've been fantastic. Maggie, they gave, Curtis, they Dominic. Gave, they gave us a Howie. great deal on, on the rent out there. And uh, that quadrupled our donations. It also quadrupled the people we helped because now we we have a location that we're open three days a week. Like I said, now, we, now as of just last month, we have 1,000 families that are registered to us. We have actually 300 to 400 visits a month into our pantry in Felsberg. We, uh, we've expanded by our, our reach by the amount of people that we're helping, but also by the exposure of letting people know this is who we are. This is where we are. Come visit us. We tell people, you can come down and walk into my office at the pantry. I got my books around the table. Our accounting books are on the table. Our uh, distribution books are on the table. We, I can show you every pound of food <laughs> that we have delivered in the last uh, two and a half, three years. How many organizations that have received food? We have sign-in sheets going back three years of every person that's come in. And we can so legit- transparency is ab- a huge ab- part ab- of what you absolutely. do. Absolutely. Take a look at my personal life. I was a, a Navy veteran, law enforcement for 30 years, managed a retirement community down here. Look, we have a board of seven people on our board right now. We have annual meetings. Uh, transparency is out there. And but I tell people, if you need if you need help, come see us. If you want to help us, come see us. Come come interview us. Come talk to us. We're 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 an open book to everybody. Come volunteer and help us bag dog and cat food. We bag fourteen hundred Ziploc bags a month. Okay, so let's talk about that. What are your greatest needs, and how can people cat come? food? Cat, right now, cat food. Okay. <laughs> Always. Cat, 80, but you also need volunteers and right, stuff. Right. Seventy-five to eighty percent of the pet food that's donated is is dog food. Okay. Everybody forgets about cats, but we have a bigger need for cats because cats would because more seniors have cats than they do dogs because they're easier to care for. They don't have to walk them and things like that. And and that's why the biggest need, we get more calls for fosters and, and adoptions when people go into hospice, memory care, assisted living. Okay. But cat food is our big. People said we just put out a call on Facebook just the other day. We need cat food. One one of our supporters club. We have twenty bags of thirty pounds of cat food going to be delivered to us tomorrow through Amazon. Okay, so your Facebook page, your social media, how do people find you? Our uh, Pause Meals on Wheels is our Facebook group page. For the love of pause is our Facebook like page. Our website is Pause Meals on Wheels. Our, our, web, our website, I've had a number of uh, technology companies or individuals come to me and say, well, I can clean up and make your website a lot better. 
anybody wants to take a look and see what I'm talking about, go to pausemealsonwheels.org. And it, it, it's five pages. Every page is like a blog. Start at the top, and when you get tired of scrolling down the first page, <laughs> go to the second page and start scrolling down again, and you'll see hundreds and thousands of pictures and events and stories and incidents and people that have individually we've helped, dogs we've helped, cats we've helped, cats we've adopted, uh, t- Dogs and cats that have passed on. Our uh, mascot, Libby, just passed away this past weekend. Uh, oh, I'm so story, sorry. There'll be a story on our website. We've had Libby for four and a half years. She was blind all her life. She was a 15-year-old blind lab that we took to all our all our events. She was our mascot ambassador. But scroll on our website. And the website is purposely like that, just so this is this is who we are. This is what we do. You want to support us, you want to volunteer, you want to help us in our efforts. Our biggest need right now is cat food. You want to donate $100? Well, buy $100 worth of cat food. It's going to help us right now as much as donating $100. We have we have two. The thrift store has a rent. The pantry has a rent. We have uh, internet costs. We have insurance costs and on and on and on. But our biggest need is cat. Buy us cat food. Send us, send us cat food. We have a lot of supporters that are helping us, and we're never going to turn down you know donors. But cat food, cat food, and cat food, I can't emphasize that okay, enough. Okay, and then volunteers <laughs> to help and foster places. Fosters people are willing to foster. Fosters we always need. Uh, people bagging food we always need. Uh, you wanna, we have a lot of people doing We have high school groups. We had the youth groups. Uh, we had a couple of autistic groups come down <laughs> and help us bag dog food and cat food. We, we, we will set aside specific days for any type of – we have Boy Scouts, Girl Scout troops come down – we, we bag dog food, we hand out dog food, we deliver dog food. We deliver through Amazon.com, as I mentioned before, because some of the areas are just not convenient for us to deliver to, and it's cheaper for me to buy a $14.99 bag, 30-pound bag or 24-pound bag of pedigree on Amazon and have it delivered the next day than it is for me or one of our volunteers to jump in a car, grab the food, and drive gotcha. 10 to 15 okay. miles. If you need help. Call us if you want okay, to help so us. So, how do they reach you? Uh, phone number seven seven two five three nine two four one seven. Our Say website. Say that one more time. Seven seven two five three nine two four one seven. Our website is pausemealsonwheels.org. and come call us. Come visit us. Okay, and my listeners are all over the country, all over the world. And if they can help in any way to help your organization, they can reach out through those means. And also, how can they? It, find out about organizations like yours locally to them? Well, if it's pet-related, just type in Pet Rescue on, on Google or, or Yahoo, and, and you'll find local groups. There's, always, there's a lot of great groups out there that need to help. Research the group that you're looking at. Like I said, GuyStar.org is a great uh, resource to find out if you're going to help, whether it's monetary or in-kind donations. Like our thrift store, you know, we, we accept everything in our thrift store as in-kind, from furniture to clothing and so forth. And if we can't use it, we'll, we'll find somebody Somebody else who can use it. And that's on 12th Street in We're Vero at 931 Beach 12th Street, right behind Staples, right at the railroad tracks. In fact, we just painted the building today, uh, yesterday rather, and the signs are going up today, and we opened up November 1st. And it's a way to support our organization because there's a lot of great nonprofits out there, and it's tough raising funds. And I, I said to our group, how can, how can we support ourselves, more so not support ourselves, but how can we grow and to help more people? And the only way to do that is resources. And by running a thrift store like we have, it, that's enabled us to pay our bills and expand right. and bring our own. Basically, we're recreate, recreating our own fundraiser. And we're also helping people at the same time because if you go into our thrift store, we got one of the cheapest prices around. And, and again, if you need help, you know, come on down. We'll, 
<laughs> we we help anybody. Our, our clothing is the cheapest out there. Our furniture is the cheapest out there. Yeah, we have a lot of great stuff and a lot of great people donating stuff. So come visit us at either place. Come volunteer to us. We'll we'll put you to work bagging food. We'll put you to work delivering food. And there's some heartache to it too because we do with a lot of elderly people and elderly pets. But but we know we're 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 doing a lot of good for a lot of good people out there. I think what you're doing, Ted, is, is truly wonderful for the love of PAWS. Um, PAWSmealsonwheels.org is the website. Correct. You know, I'm so grateful that you were here today. I'm so grateful to Sandy Williamson for mentioning you to me and saying, you need to have him on the show and you should consider volunteering or, or helping out some way. My first step out today was to come to the studio to see how I do <laughs> with, with all that. And um, I would also be really remiss if I did not thank the folks at Mercedes of Melbourne, um, Josh, Mike, and um, Ed for helping me get a car that enabled me to drive here because I haven't had a car since October and haven't been able to drive for nine months because the cars were too loud and triggered my symptoms. So um, thank you for helping me, guys. Mercedes of Melbourne helped me get a car. And I'll tell you, they were a pleasure to deal with. They didn't try to rip me off as so many dealers do when they're dealing with a woman. They really ask the right questions to make sure I got in the right car. So I know you guys listen to my podcast all every week. So I wanted to give you guys a shout out directly and also give another, another shout out. I can't say this enough. Mr. B in the booth. Happy, happy, happy 70th birthday. You are a bright spot in my life. Thank you so much for taking good care of me every week that I do this show for the last um, five years, I think now at this point in time. So thank you, thank you, thank you for helping me out um, since you've been on board here with the show. And um, Ted, quick last thought. Um, phone number and website. Website, pausemealsonwheels.org. Phone number is... 772-539-2417. Uh, Felsmere is 12198 County Road 512 in Felsmere. And first stop is 931 12th Street in Vero Beach. All right, everybody. No matter where you are in the world, helping people not feel alone is one of the most beautiful things you can give. Check on your neighbors. Look out for those that you think may be at risk, whether it's domestic violence, sex trafficking, or a senior that is in need. Sometimes all you need to do is say hi and knock on their door. Have a great day, everybody. Remember, the right questions can change your life. You've been listening to It's All About the Questions, starring Laura Stewart. Connect with Laura at itsallaboutthequestions.com and download a free workbook that will help you ask better questions starting today. 